0: Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love.
1: Good evening. I'm Chris.
0: I'm Heather. And I'm Caitlin.
1: And we are here to tell you about our new podcast, Under the Pendulum.
0: We're three siblings, former goths, and enthusiasts of all things spooky and weird. Join us as we talk about dark history, ghosts, monsters, and our favorite horror in the media, while using our dark sense of humor to quell the creeping unease that terrorizes our minds. You can find us on Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to your pods.
1: And if you enjoy the show and want to grow with us, help us bring you more spooky content by subscribing and liking our show
0: wherever you listen to podcasts. ¶¶ Hi, is BD Wong there? Because it's time for Perhaps It's You. Your favorite, very unofficial, Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And, look, we're here to talk about Unsolved Mysteries, I guess. I guess. (sighs) Who knows? Look, I took three pages of notes on
1: one segment of this episode, so now, legally, we have to talk about this.
0: (laughs) That is... That is how laws work. We are legal experts. So, (laughs) oh wait, no, not at all. We're people who watch TV and talk about it. Might not have known. Might not have known that we also have like no power. We're not like policymakers. People seem confused about that. I don't know. Look, maybe we weren't going to make an episode this week because. I think we've earned it, and sometimes the fact that we try to do an episode every week when this is like really not our job, and this is not like a professional podcast, every so often I go, that's bananas. Why do we try to do that? That's not right. So Samantha was like, oh, I'm very busy with work, and I was like, great, because I want to lie around and do jack shit. (laughs) Sounds like a plan to me. (laughs) But then little baby Samantha managed to get into a fight on the internet, (laughs) and I know we all thought it would be me. This fight led to a one-star review. So we're really here out of spite. I
1: feel responsible
0: for this. And
1: look, okay, Liz has pretty much taken over our Instagram because I can't handle it. But some Karen (laughs) responded to an Instagram story that Liz posted, which was about defunding the police. And honestly, the thing you posted was not even... It wasn't like burn all cops alive. It was like, (laughs) what could we use instead of the police? And it was like
0: social workers, healthcare professionals, EMS. I don't even remember. It was one of those very... It was about like, if we we spend less money on cops, which is a huge part of most city budgets, you have more money for other things. It's not really a controversial statement, I thought. (laughs) Sometimes I say things and I go, oh boy, I'm going to have to be explaining that later. Uh... And then that's usually not true, but this I not, I didn't even for a second go oh that I should really th- rethink that it, and it was it was someone's tweet I just thought it was like well stated and the update since our last episode is that right after recording that episode I went to a community meeting in Powderhorn Park here in Minneapolis and the majority of city council announced that they are planned to defund the police. Everybody's very excited. And then the following week, they actually put that to a vote. So now there's going to be like a year-long process of figuring out what the new system is going to look like, but they're going to dismantle our police force and use that funding in other ways. So anyway, I'm very excited about
1: it. Look, every white person in suburban Minnesota thinks that we are on a rate a knife's edge between law and order and the purge. I don't understand. Every comment section on anything you see is just a bunch of people who I guarantee do not fucking live in Minneapolis. They come to Minneapolis like once every other year, and actually it's like going to the Mall of America, right? They don't they're not actually like within city limits. And they're posting about how they'll never come to the city again and how it's I I literally saw someone unironically refer to the purge which is something i'm constantly joking about now because people think <laughs> that we're just gonna descend into complete and total pandemic i don't understand I'm, what people think is gonna happen but it's
0: outrageous. all for people like that thinking that this is the purge because i don't want them to come they can stay wherever they are i don't want to see them so, yeah, it's the perch. I am wearing a mask and doing a cartwheel and holding like nine swords right now. <laughs> also, people seem to think, people don't understand that government works very slowly. Usually, when you're not, when when police departments aren't burning down, the government usually works very slowly. <laughs> so, for the city council to announce this and vote on funding, that all seemed to happen very fast, but there's still like a year-long process of what exactly is things are gonna look like. And that's
1: right? not even so- like a year to get this in place. It's a year to explore options. Like that is how slow right. the government moves. It's, it's not even- like tomorrow <laughs> the police department is gone and everyone is given a, a state-issued knife, and you
0: <laughs> are for, on it your says,
1: fucking own. I mean, it
0: says, fend for yourself is carved on the knife. Actually, <laughs> I don't it says on one side, defund, deplete police, and the other side it says, fund for yourself. And you're supposed to. Now, there's no one to enforce this law, but you're actually supposed to carry that in your teeth <laughs> as you walk around Minneapolis now. It also keeps you from breathing on people for the, the coronavirus. So it's it's twofold. Yeah, um, yeah. that's our COVID plan. And I I do on one hand understand people having questions. But what I don't understand that's is part when- of what the year-long process is is about is figuring out what that's gonna like to say right. like, well, how's this gonna work and how's that gonna work? First of all, those questions very rarely seem to be asked in good faith by people who actually yes. live here. But it's also like, yeah, we don't know. We just know that the system is not working and it's extremely violent and we need to do better. Also, (laughs) It's beyond reform. We're getting rid of it. We're starting something else. They didn't say there will be no law enforcement or that you drank too many white claws and there's no laws now. (laughs) That's that's not actually how that works. Common misconception. You
1: still can't murder people. Like, that's still going to be against the law. I don't know if people are aware.
0: They said, they. well, okay, here's exactly what they said. They said, murder is now legal. (laughs) We're going to the prisons. We're letting everyone out. And we're handing them weapons as they leave. (laughs) And I said, well, that's pretty extreme. And they said, yeah, and some of them are, like, really big axes. So watch (laughs) out. No!
1: (laughs) It's just really... Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) What did it... Wouldn't it be so nice if you were worried about someone's mental health that you could call for a wheelchair fair check and the people that showed up weren't armed and might not accidentally shoot them? Like, that sounds so lovely to me. Yeah. The current system is very dangerous. I think lots of people are, myself included, don't want to call the police in, like, basically any circumstance because they're going to shoot you or your neighbor or your dog or something. Like... Yeah. See? See? (laughs) But... Uh, okay anyway anyway back to to me i forgot into a little tiff okay
1: this is the issue is that we got a message on instagram in a response to the story that like liz said was not a good faith inquiry as to what we might think an alternative to the police might look like it was all capital letters lol one two three four five (laughs) exclamation points.
0: many as many serious inquiries start (laughs) lol
1: that's how you would deal with a violent rapist question mark get them counseling question mark no arrest no trial no jail time just a hug and
0: map quest directions to the <laughs> free health clinic in case you're wondering how old this person was and why we just were deciding they were a karen i feel like map quest really seals it <laughs> you're not going to be part of gen z referring to map quest uh it's no. not possible. That so... relic is long gone. D-
1: did I think it was worth my time to engage with this person in a serious manner? No. Did I feel like fighting with someone that day? Yes. So,
0: <laughs> which is amazing. It's amazing that it was you and not me.
1: It is amazing because I saw this come in and I was like, oh, okay, I have to respond. This is. You went, not
0: today, bitch.
1: Not yeah. today. I responded something to the effect of, oh, yeah cops are are known for the excellent job they do locking up rapists that's why we don't have a national backlog of untested rape kits oh wait yeah we do and then this person proceeded to go up oh i think i also made fun of their use of MapQuest, but
0: you did oh i did <laughs> you sure did i
1: think i also maybe told them that in the new police list system we were going to report all crimes via aol instant messenger <laughs>
0: I did say that also. That would have worked so well at my college. Everybody <laughs> was on that all the time, and basically we didn't use phones. We didn't have cell phones yet, and we didn't what? use landline phones. And literally all communication happened by AOL Instant Messenger. So if no that had hard been to
1: call people anymore, I don't want to call nine one one. I want to yeah. aim
0: them. I want to hear that little door opening noise, <laughs> and then I want to put up an away message that says, "Not a good time, no crimes, please." <laughs>
1: So, so, so no, I did not engage this person in a in a, a productive they dialogue. Rude. They were already rude. Yeah, they were rude. Also, they came into our DMs and we don't know like know them or something. Yeah, mocked our anyway. So they went off about how we are. Uh, I don't even remember what they said.
0: Then we go around hugging, hug yeah, and, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So they proceeded to to tell us they were never listening to our podcast again, which. Good, How they listened to it in the first place, I have no idea, because this is far from the first time where we <laughs> have expressed some anti-establishment sentiments. I will just say that.
0: Every uh, time I said that I hated this country, I didn't mean except for its systems of extreme violence. <laughs> 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 That's yeah. not what I meant. I, I I realize I'm not always the clearest communicator, but <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone knows that when I'm going, oh, my God, I hate this country. I don't mean except for the extremely violent militarized way that our police act in our cities. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How this person ever listened to our podcast. <laughs> I, at days, I have know. no idea. Maybe they listened to know. one episode. I don't know. But- not a recent one. Then this person I don't know, left us some bad reviews all over the place, including Facebook, where they simply, told, simply said they did not recommend our podcast because we're ignorant and delusional. Hilarious.
0: I don't uh, see what me being ignorant and delusional has to do with anything. That has nothing to do with defunding the police. It's a separate issue. But then
1: they left us a one star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts,
0: which I think le- I have been very clear that only five star reviews are allowed. And I realize that we're entering the purge. And there's about to be no laws, but that's not true yet. Okay. One of the laws is five star reviews only. Yeah. You can't can't be more clear about this. You can call our podcast, quote, dangerous,
1: but it needs to be in a five star review.
0: Yeah. And doesn't that make you feel like a little bit sexy? I'm not sure I've ever been called dangerous. I 100% have
1: never been called
0: dangerous. And (laughs) I kind of like
1: it. Honestly, I do. It's unfortunate this was accompanied by a one star review. It should be five stars dangerous. That would make more sense. Dangerous.
0: They're but, delusional
1: uh, and ignorant. Five stars. This person starts on their review by saying they may know unsolved mysteries, but that's about it. Uh, bitch, jokes on you. We don't know about unsolved mysteries either.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't know anything. We do- we we're making up stuff about Robert Stack and his yachts because we can't be bothered to look it up. <laughs> we know what's saying. We unsolved mysteries <laughs> on a whim, and we just kept going. We didn't even really watch Unsolved Mysteries before we started this podcast. I haven't watched so. it since I was like five, and we didn't do any background research. Yeah, we uh, just watched TV.
1: <laughs> this person goes on to say they seem to think all the problems with the judicial system are because of police.
0: Well, Not no, all. there's lots Not of other problems, all, yeah. but uh, it's a police. It's it's, it's a know. big problem. It's a it's a layered problem with lots of issues. They
1: preach that all police should be done away with and replaced with social workers. Safe places for drug addicts to inject their drug of choice.
0: I don't remember saying that ever, but I'm for it. This person seems a little obs- a little obsessed with drug use. Yeah, are we sure it's not Joe Biden? <laughs> I don't give a shit if people do drugs i don't care yeah let's set up a needle exchange that sounds helpful can we do that yeah people should have a safe place to go
1: and what they shouldn't have are the police coming to incarcerate them for doing drugs decriminalize all drugs i'm for it um when asked how will society deal with rapists that was we were not asked that the no. answer was mm-hmm. police don't do anything that's why there's a backlog of rape kits well yeah but also. I mean, they, also, has anyone in the history of ever been happy with how the police handled their sexual assault?
0: I Not to my... I mean, maybe someone out there. I've never heard it. I've never heard it ever. I've heard a whole I, lot I'm of not, horror stories. Yeah. I'm not I've only no heard one bad to... things. Considering most people are are told yeah, that's going to be hard to prove. Yeah, that's, um, that's who's our president? A rapist, so... The system works. Uh,
1: Blah, blah, blah. I mean,
0: it, it might work as intended, but... They deflect
1: rather than answer important questions. Bitch, I don't owe you an answer to anything. Especially not when you come in and message us with some sort of ridiculous LOL. You're not asking serious questions. You're mocking us. How owe also, you this
0: shit. this is a TV rewatch podcast. <laughs> We're not out here answering the important questions. Confused. Yes, I am excited about the decision to defund the police. I am not a policymaker. I'm actually very, not very involved in that whatsoever. I'm just in favor of it. I'm not going to be the person who decides how that works. She thinks we have a lot more power than we do. We just own two microphones. Yeah. that Look, anyone can
1: make a podcast. I don't know if people are aware of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to like go to podcasting school.
1: We don't even know anything about Unsolved Mysteries, as stated before.
0: So I mean, this <laughs> this review says we do, and I'm probably going to part start putting that on stuff. Uh, it
1: concludes by saying they only know enough to be dangerous rather than helpful. So thank I you. don't
0: know that I, I don't know that I need to be helpful. Yeah, I I'm supposed really to nice. watch TV and tell you about it. Mac, I showed Mac that review, and he said, "Well, of course you're not helpful. You're a podcaster. <laughs> it's a little bit of a bird. It's a little bit of a read." This is an Unsolved Mysteries no. Rewatch podcast. We're, we're a little caught up in current events. This is a, an important time, I think, in the, the timeline of this nation's history. But I don't, I don't need to be helpful, bitch. <laughs> that's, Anyways, not, that's not what I'm here for.
1: Maybe it's petty to spend so much time talking about this bad review. But I found Max it-, said it.
0: Max said it was. And then I was like, that's what we do. Don't tell, Don't tell me how to run my show.
1: I mean, Mac's not wrong, but we s- still He's did like, it, why are you giving this, this
0: person any time? And I was like, because. Because we want to. Because it it's stupid, of... and they use MapQuest. <laughs> 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 because they're really worried about other people doing drugs in their home or something. Frankly, I'm not going to take this seriously. God, no. They've got a lot of boots to lick. They're busy. <laughs> cool, um, busy. And they're not listening anymore, so. They're not listening I'm anymore, which bye. is great, because I don't. People act like that's an insult. And I was like, well, I was something was available for free. I don't really care if you take it or not. (laughs) La-di-da. Go on about your life. Clearly watching too much SVU and thinking that cops are working day and night to track down rapists. They are not. They're not. That's TV.
1: Even as SVU, they're not out there preventing rapes. Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: That's a really good point.
1: When it comes to defunding the police, it's putting systems in place that can prevent crime.
0: If you're concerned about crime, do whatever you're, is in your power to help with poverty. That's the that's the solution there. Right. But it's not locking literally everyone up, which no. is our current solution. It's not worked. So, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Look, it's hard to be dangerous.
1: I. It's hard to be
0: so... So not helpful. (laughs) Do we know enough to be... It's hard to know enough to be dangerous, really. If if there's a line from this review that you think would look good on some merch, let us know. I love taking people's mean words and turning them into cold hard cash. It's basically my favorite thing. They may know Unsolved Mysteries, but that's about it.
1: Which is not true. We don't know anything about Unsolved Mysteries (laughs) either, but... (laughs)
0: Solid no, but I
1: like it. I like it because it seems positive. Yeah, that's very marketable. And it makes okay. p- you know, if you've never listened to the podcast before then you think, you might think we do know about self mysteries. Oh, I'll the- turn in.
0: And then it's just us making up shit, talking about mustaches and ghosts we want to meet. They're so disappointed. Alright. This I is think just that's... two people with two microphones and we're like, exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Uh, Oh, I had another update, though, on on a very different note, that there is an update to a case that we have covered. If anybody recalls the Orange Sock murders, uh, which is a case we talked about with Mike and Josh over at Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, and I can't remember if we talked about that case on their show or when they came on our show.
1: Okay, I believe it was on their show because I don't think, and someone who knows actually knows about Unsolved Mysteries can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the Orange Sox case is on streaming. I think people oh, who have okay. seen that maybe have seen like either you have the DVD set or you're like an Unsolved Mysteries super fan or something. I'm not 100 a- sure if this case is in the re- like the the streaming. I was going to say the reboot. No, the um the Amazon streaming.
0: Whatever. Sure. Ah, uh, it's a really brutal case. But it's a case, case where a woman... Brutal oh God, reenactment. It's, it's honestly terrifying. This woman that was, I think, maybe hitchhiking or trying to get a right anyway, ends up kidnapped and attacked and murdered, and her body was unidentified for a really long time, and it's referred to as the orange sock case because I think an orange sock was found at the scene, or maybe she was wearing one orange sock, and then they found one orange sock later. But anyway, for a long time, her body was unidentified. I think last year uh it was finally identified and the new news is that her headstone has been updated so her name was deborah lewis larnard i believe deborah lewis larnard and um so now that her headstone is now updated and it has a photo of her on it and it used to just say unidentified woman which is so sad to me um so that update comes from the trail went cold podcast which is a podcast is actually researched by someone who actually knows about unsolved Streets. <laughs> if yeah, you want, you're looking for that's what you're looking for. If that's what you're looking for <laughs> You've been very disappointed with this podcast for years, you're gonna want to head over to the Trail Code. So, I just thought that was a nice little update because I will be haunted by that horrible orange sock thing <sighs> forever and ever. Okay, um, are we ready to get started, man? Do we have to, though? I yeah, mean, we could okay. just stop
1: it here and just release an episode where we just
0: ran no, about a bad review just, we got. That's just going to encourage that, people to leave
1: true. bad reviews. That's true. And that may I mean, look, it was already petty, but that maybe is extra
0: petty. Now listen up. We got a bad review. Okay. So we're on season five, episode 12. Uh, Samantha's going to take it away. She's got a really long segment to talk about. So, this episode is primarily
1: covering a conspiracy about the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. It's timely that this came up. very timely.
0: However, I can't say that I, I don't it's know. It's also a bad segment. <laughs> yes. We'll get it's into it. It's appropriate time to be talking about it, but could have been done a
1: lot better a lot better okay so robert stack opens i'm just gonna get right into it. robert stack opens the episode um he says that basically this episode aired really close to the 25th anniversary of dr king's death unsolved mysteries rolls footage from the night before his assassination in which dr king gave a very eerie speech that you might be familiar with that a lot of people think foreshadowed his death the next day um, I wrote down the quote. They don't play the whole quote in the episode, but it's, I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.
0: That's what he said. the People name before. act like that's really like special that he said that right before he died, but he knew people wanted him dead. He knew people were gunning for him. He had already survived
1: an assassination attempt up until this point.
0: so It's not really that miraculous that he would say that and then be killed. He knew people were trying to kill him.
1: Yeah, I can't say that this was actually foreshadowing his death, but it is eerie um, and something that they play in the episode. Robert Stack says that less than 24 hours later, Dr. King would be dead. And he goes on to say that James Earl Ray, having admitted to the crime, was... Uh, plead pled guilty and that the case was officially closed. However, the anniversary of the assassination, according to Stack, has, quote, renewed attention on the circumstances surrounding the investigation of James Earl Wright. So the whole episode this whole segment, pretty much the whole episode. Um, <laughs> is, yeah, it's not quite the
0: whole episode, Samantha. Is
1: talking about this conspiracy with James Earl Ray, and I, I'm just Is gonna... it that the FBI did it? No! <laughs> I wish it was, because that's what I actually would like to talk about, because that seems plausible. I will get to that later, but it's not. It's this convoluted story that James Earl Ray gives after having already pled guilty. Okay, so three days after he pled guilty, Ray recanted his confession, alleging that he was only a pawn in a larger conspiracy to kill Martin Luther King. Uh, no one took these claims of innocence seriously, however, and the case was immediately closed. So since he pled guilty, there wasn't a trial. So he was just immediately sentenced. Um,
0: and he uh, is wearing the suit jacket. That it—that itself is a crime. Yeah. Yuck, yuck. 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 I have to agree with you on that one.
1: Uh, eight years after the assassination, a committee in the House of Representatives was tasked with reinvestigating the assassinations of both Dr. King and JFK. This investigation concluded that James Earl Ray was the lone assassin of Martin Luther King. However, this conclusion is not accepted by Walter Fontroy, who is chairman of that committee and now believes that the decision they came to was incorrect. Um, So Walter Fontroy is interviewed for the episode and says that there are three things you look at when investigating a murder. Means, motive, and opportunity. Fontroy says that he does not believe that James Earl Ray had these things. And it's not exactly clear to me to what degree he believes that Ray was lacking all of these things um, I understand the means a lot of people point to the fact that he was dishonorably discharged from the army and was known to be a poor marksman <laughs> he that's actually not... pretty hilarious
0: look everybody knows this guy sucked at shooting stuff <laughs> hard to believe he'd pull this off he seemed
1: to be a known dumb-dumb, which is pretty much the center of everyone's <laughs> conspiracy. Is that, like, Ray could not have pulled this off on his own. He was too big an idiot. What not have done.
0: <laughs> this mumble mouth? No way. And
1: I do, so I do sort of understand that. However, he was also a known racist. So I'm not exactly sure, like, why someone would say he didn't have the motive. But anyway. Uh that is sort of the center of the conspiracy. Anyway, James Earl Ray maintains his innocence. However, the FBI has stood firm up until this point in the episode. Uh, this is Robert Stagg speaking. Um, the FBI has stood firm on their conclusion that he was the lone gun- gunman. Yeah, the um, FBI would say that, wouldn't they? So all of this happened before like the credits the opening credits even roll. <laughs> like uh, this episode this is
0: this, so long.
1: This segment is extremely long. And is a topic I would really appreciate going into in a way that actually made sense but this episode does not do it do it justice so Robert comes back and tells us that researchers are now claiming that new information corroborates James Earl Ray's story based on this new information Walter Fontroy is demanding that the case be reopened and that the committee's files be immediately released they were and I didn't check on this but I assume they still are sealed until 2029 Unsolved Mysteries uh, gets into the history of Martin Luther King's assassination, um, which is that on April in April 1968, Dr. King and members of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference were in Memphis, Tennessee, preparing a march in Washington to lobby on behalf of striking sanitation workers. The night before is when King gave the speech referenced earlier um, at the Mason Temple Church in Memphis. And then at 6.05 p.m. the following day, King was standing on the second floor balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, where he and his associates were staying when a bullet struck him in the neck. He was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead an hour later. He was 39 years old. So King's presence at the hotel was widely publicized in the media. Everyone knew he was staying there. Across the street from the Lorraine Motel were a series of buildings, one of the buildings was a rooming house run by a woman named Bessie Brewer. Shortly before 6 p.m. on April 4th, one of the tenants, a man named William Ansh- Anshooks, uh, found that the building's communal bathroom was locked. This bathroom faced the Lorraine Motel. Um, this is where Robert Stack says, career petty criminal James Earl Ray loaded a high-powered rifle and took aim at room 306 of the Lorraine Motel, where he shot and killed Dr. King as he stepped out for dinner. Uh, While Martin Luther King was lay lay dying, James Earl Ray made his escape as he was fleeing the building. uh, He was seen by Charles Quitman Stevens, who lived in the room adjacent to the bathroom. Robert Stack goes on to say that mere seconds from a clean getaway, the government believes that Ray saw a police car, panicked, and dropped his bundle of stuff. He had, like, all of his personal effects with him and his the gun. He, he stole used the ramp- comforter from this boarding house. <laughs> Wrapped in the comforter, and then he just dropped it and played for everyone to see, like, right outside this uh, Knight Amusement Company. I'm not
0: even sure that's what why I- that was, but... That's why everybody was like, yeah, this guy, he ain't too bright.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this guy is a real rube. He just dropped his bundle of evidence to his crime right there. Three witnesses in the building right in front of this window saw him do this and then saw a white car speed away. Uh, Police recovered the rifle along with items belonging to Ray, but at that point he had fled the country. Um, However, he was soon apprehended in the UK. I think he was attempting to board a plane to Brussels. Uh, so Ray did confess and eventually plead guilty. Um, and like I said, because he pled guilty, there wasn't a trial. But then three days after his conviction, he began claiming that he was merely a pawn in a larger conspiracy. He fired his lawyers and announced that he had been pressured into pleading guilty. Uh, and he pointed to a man named Raul as the real shooter. So Robert Stack points out some things that support Ray's story. First, uh, he had a long criminal history. However, his crimes were
0: petty in nature and not violent. Um, Again, no one thinks he's capable of anything, <laughs> even crime. Uh,
1: and then my next note for the next point that they bring up is just that people seem to think he would have to be a criminal mastermind to pull us off. And he was just too dumb.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that being something that you turn on the TV and it's just people talking about how yeah what a rube you are and how you could never pull something off walter fonroy points to the fact that he
1: doesn't believe that he would have been able to make it to europe without help uh i don't know what supports that except that he's a big dumb dumb.
0: uh <laughs> that guy didn't even know there was a europe <laughs> are you telling me he was going on a plane to brussels he doesn't know that's a place People seem to
1: think he was struggling to get fake passports and that he would have needed someone to help him get a passport. I don't know what evidence there is to support that. This guy was a career criminal. I would think he'd be able to find a fake passport, but again, maybe he's just not bright enough to figure that out. All right. Walter Fontroy, who, like I said, is the chairman of the King subcommittee believes that Ray could not have been working alone. Um, He looked at Ray's movements leading up to the assassination This is where this episode gets fucking confusing, so I'm going to do my best, because Ray goes all over the place, and I don't know what it means, (laughs) but here we go. Uh, On April 23rd, 1967, Ray escaped from prison in Missouri, where he was serving a 20-year sentence for robbery. Ray stayed on the move throughout the United States and Canada, first going to St. Louis and then Chicago, then to Toronto, then to Montreal, then Birmingham, Alabama, where he stayed long enough to buy a 1966 Ford Mustang and get an Alabama's driver's license. He then yeah, drove to Mexico. Nice, nice
0: car. Nice car.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not uh, yeah. Uh, then he, he drove to Mexico, <laughs> he stopped in Acapulco uh, before settling down in Puerto Vallarta. Um that was in October 1967. While in Mexico, Ray, using the alias Eric Starvo Galt, uh, is where, this is where he claims that he met a shady character named Raul. Ray claims that Ra- Raul would later pressure him into being an accomplice to King's assassination, but at first he was just smuggling Something
0: contraband. most people would do <laughs> under peer pressure. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, Murder in an extremely prominent um, figure. Okay, we'll get to this later. But he did—he claims that he
1: did not know what was actually happening. He was merely buying a gun and leaving it in a hotel room.
0: Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> they, they, there's no way he could have known that Martin Luther King was just staying across the street.
1: Mm, yeah, it seems like the whole town knew that, so I'm not so sure.
0: But again, big, big dumb <laughs> dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so he met I'm this. I'm just change. imagining being accused of something and people going, Liz. Have you heard that woman's podcast? There's no way she did it. Look,
1: everyone knows. We may know Unsolved Mysteries, but nothing else.
0: But no, no there's no way. So, uh, yeah. Flew Europe? <laughs> I don't think so.
1: At first, he was just smuggling contraband, according to him, for Raul, across the U.S.-Canada border near Detroit. He was paid $750. I don't know if that's Bye. total or that's per... Get more money. Smuggle? I'm not sure. Uh, After... Okay, so this the story continues to get confusing. According to people who believe this conspiracy, they, and it's never made clear who they are because because we only hear one name and it's Raul, but I, I'm assuming it's some sort of criminal enterprise. I'm not sure. They dangled this promise of travel documents, uh, which is apparently the only thing Ray wanted because he wanted to flee the country because he was, remember, he's escaped from prison. Uh, so he wanted a fake passport so he could get the fuck out of North America um so he wouldn't get sent back to prison and so that's why they think that they raul and whoever he works with or for um said oh just do one more smuggle and then you can get this passport and then every time it was like stringing they were stringing him along
0: what if at some point you go fuck you you're clearly never gonna give it to me goodbye or just like stop doing it i also like that all of their shady conversations happen in pool halls (laughs)
1: Yes, that is true. I I mean that's where crimes happen. We've established that's where that before. crimes happen. Uh, oh so th- yeah, if
0: people, if you're so worried about crimes, what about your pool halls, huh? Never well, think, you ever about, think it. about that.
1: Okay, so they go all over <laughs> I feel the country. Sure people have. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Unsolved Mysteries draws us a map for how they've gone all over the country. I have no idea what it has to do with anything, but they do that. And then on March 29th, Raúl outlines their next criminal enterprise. Yes, asks Ray to buy some rifles that they would show to that he claimed they were going to show to prospective clients. Later that day they drove to drove to Birmingham where Ray purchased a I'm <laughs> I'm going to sound like I know I do know nothing about guns. Uh, don't worry, you only know about Unsolved Mysteries. It's fine. This is this a 24 caliber rifle? I don't know. A, a rifle. A big rifle with a telescopic sight. But apparently Her. according to witnesses, like me, James Earl Ray was not familiar with firearms and he bu- ended up actually buying the wrong gun. What? Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> what a dope. There are essentially witnesses that were like marveling at how this guy was trying to buy a rifle which you wouldn't buy unless you knew about you know like this is a very I assume specific sure. high caliber rifle. You wouldn't normally just like walk off the street and be like I feel like buying this today. But he was so like no, he didn't understand anything about it. He was asking all kinds of dumb questions. Um so now were- this makes
0: me want to go to a gun shop and just be like so I'm looking for um a grenade launcher. <laughs> Do you have any of those? Way around? Yeah. No? Oh. Huh. Okay. Uh I'm just like trying to think of guns I've heard of in movies. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a Smith and Wesson. Sure. You know, the um the forty-five. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be me. I would be
1: James Rowray in this situation, knowing have no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> So, but Raúl was him alleged- in every situation, apparently. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Raúl allegedly told him to go buy a different rifle, which he did. The new rifle was a Remington Game Master, which he allegedly gave to Raúl on April third. According to Ray, that was the last time he saw the rifle. But according to, uh, and according to the official investigation, this was the rifle used to commit the assassination. Uh, so, on, at three thirty p.m. on April fourth, the day. Uh, Dr. King was assassinated Ray claims that he met Raul at a local coffee shop. Raul told Ray to rent a room at Bessie's boarding house and await further instructions. At 4pm he rented the room using the name John Willard. Ray was told to bring an overnight bag for appearance's sake and Raul also told Ray to leave the Mustang outside because he wanted to use it that night According to Robert Stack, the rest of the story is unclear because Ray has changed his story several
0: times But He says el- that It's pure speculation on their part.
1: Yeah, pure speculation. (laughs) The one element that Barstack says always remains the same is that Ray claims at 5 p.m. he left the boarding house. He left the gun in the room and did not return. He claims that just before 6 p.m. he drove the Mustang to a service station. And at 6.01 p.m. is when Dr. King was shot. So he claims that he was not there when it happened. Okay. fontroy and ray's attorneys do not believe that he would have been able to make such a precise shot due to his history of poor marksmanship <laughs> however <laughs> an fbi investigator claims that with the scope that that particular rifle had and like the distance between the boarding house and the motel that it would have been easier than you would think to make the shot this guy I was like no you idea. don't
0: under- you don't understand <laughs> even liz and samantha could make this shot <laughs> i don't
1: Oh, no. No because he only
0: takes one shot yeah. i feel like if you're you know you know you're bad at shooting the army like literally told you whoa buddy you're bad at this wouldn't <laughs> you take more than one
1: i guess i'm really I, I have no idea i have no frame of reference for shooting guns whatsoever it it seemed to me like a, a long i mean to me it seemed like a long distance between the two buildings but what, a, what the fuck do I know about shooting guns? Right. Uh, so I have no idea. They go into a little bit how some people believe that he actually wasn't in or the killer, whoever the killer may have been, wasn't actually in the boarding house, but may have been in this like bushy hill right behind. Like that was a lot closer. Uh, I don't really know what that has to do with the conspiracy and what it proves one way or another, but they talk about that for a while.
0: I guess um, maybe it would have been easier for him to make the shot from there, so you don't have to rule him out. I don't know.
1: I think so, but also they're like talking about it in context of the conspiracy, so I don't understand how this would like further right. disprove yeah, that Ray had done it. I honestly have no idea, but there is no conclusive evidence that can prove that the shot came from the bushes. It's just that some people think maybe that maybe it, it did. I don't know. Uh, so a dusting of the room uh ray supposedly shot from revealed several unidentified fingerprints but it was a boarding house so of course i don't know how often does this place get cleaned i don't think very often so of course yeah, was...
0: from the photos it looks like a total dump
1: <laughs> yeah so it doesn't seem surprising I, to me that i bet be it got clean never but whatever uh however no fingerprints in the room could be con- Linked to Ray, so there is that aspect of it. However, two fingerprints on the rifle were linked to Ray, but again, he said that he did buy the gun and he did bring it to Raoul. So,
0: people don't always leave fingerprints, though. You can be in a little room and not leave fingerprints.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, like ballistics never like definitively proved that that was the specific gun. It just the the killing shots were consistent with that type of rifle. I don't know. Ballistics is kind of a not not a science. So here we are. Uh, While the FBI never found a man named Raul connected to Ray, former defense investigator, Harold Weisberg learned that Ray had been in contact with a man named James C or JC Harden. Harden had been called, had called Ray from Atlanta and gave a message to the manager of the hotel that Ray was staying at. When Ray did not call him back, Harden went to California to meet with him. Some believe that Harden might have actually been the mysterious Raul. They believe that he planned the crime for Ray to take the fall. The FBI investigated the lead long enough to have a composite made of Harden. Oh, the however, FBI did. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. We'll get to that later. However, he was never identified or located. For unknown reasons, Ray has refused to say whether or not Harden and Raul were the same person. He also has refused to positively identify Raul. Um, the House Select Committee Chief Counsel J. G-, G. Robert Blake. Blakely sums up the case by revealing that the FBI did not pull an adequate investigation and Ray was arrested by a rush to judgment to quickly arrest an assassin. So you did a really good job with that. Thanks. It was, this case is convoluted as it's outlined in unsolved mysteries. But what I wanted to talk about was that, first of all, this whole Raul thing is unresolved, but there's like another layer of this conspiracy that I wanted to go over because what frustrates me about this is that Unsolved Mysteries give so much airtime to the story from James Earl Ray. When it, I guess I don't, under, I guess I, I should look into what the timeline of it because there's a separate conspiracy that has way more plausibility to it. Okay. And that is the conspiracy surrounding Lloyd Jowers. So in 1993, Lloyd Jowers appeared on the ABC news program Primetime Live. Uh, He claimed that he was paid $10,000 by local mobster Frank Liberto to help organize King's assassination. Jowers ran a coffee shop on the first floor of the rooming house from which King was allegedly shot by Ray. The back door of his shop led to the bushes, which the bushes were apparently removed by the Memphis Police Department. Jowers had remained silent for 25 years after King's assassination, but he only produced his confession after... There was like a mock trial... Um, In which Ray was actually found not guilty Um, because there was never a trial. HBO did this like mock trial in which all this evidence was put forth and the jurors in that trial actually found Ray not guilty, which is very interesting. Um, But after that happened... Jowers came forward and claimed that he was part of a larger conspiracy to assassinate King and frame Ray as a patsy. He claimed that, quote, Raul was actually Memphis police officers and that also the mafia had been involved. Jowers named Memphis police Def- huh. lieutenant Earl Clark as the shooter instead of James Earl Ray. In 1999, a civil suit brought by Coretta Scott King alleged that Jowers and others had conspired to assassinate King. The King family turned to William Pepper, who was the defense attorney in the mock trial to represent them in the wrongful death lawsuit. Uh, This is the case of King family versus Lloyd Jowers and other unknown co-conspirators is actually the name of the case. Um, During this, this four week trial, Pepper brought forward 70 witnesses and thousands of documents Jowers wow. testified that Ray was only a scapegoat and that the Memphis police officer Earl, or officer Earl Clark actually fired the fatal shot. The mixed race jury that heard the case took only one hour of deliberation to reach a unanimous verdict that King was assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. They found Jowers Amazing. responsible and also found that, quote, government agencies were among the conspirators. The King family was granted the money that they requested in damages, and they saw it as a vindication. King's son, Dexter, said, quote, this is the period at the end of the sentence. So please, after today, we don't want questions like, do you believe James Earl Ray killed your father? Um, I've been hearing that all my life, and no, I don't. This is the end of it. They believe that there is a large conspiracy that goes all the way up to the FBI, because as you may know, the FBI was surveilling Dr. Martin Luther King, as well as the Memphis Police Department. Uh, And they believe that there was a conspiracy that went that involved multiple government agencies and the mafia and um, Coretta Scott King after the verdict said there is an abundance of evidence of a major high level conspiracy in the assassination of my husband. The jury found that the mafia and various government agencies were deeply involved in the assassination. Mr. Ray was set up to take the blame. Now, in 2000, in 2000, Attorney General Janet Reno announced that after reexamining the assassination, no evidence of a conspiracy can be found, but it means nothing to me. Um, so, yeah, the view from King, of King's family is that James Earl Ray was a patsy and was set up to take the fall for an assassination well, also- that was put in place by government agencies. And to me, that holds a lot more water than this Raul person, which I think they think that... I think J- they think James Earl Ray be- was talking to someone named Raul and this Raul was a fake name that someone was giving him and as they were setting him up to take the fall. So there, it, it's like interw- interwound with the, the story that Unsolved Mysteries puts forward um, because I think what they believe is that James Earl Ray really was in contact with this person named Raul who really did set him up, but it's actually people involved in these government agencies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always assumed the government was involved because it just makes sense. But I didn't realize till yesterday that that's been established in court. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and to my knowledge, uh, the FBI has dis- dismissed this, of course. Um, but I- I- I'm not normally a conspiracy-minded person. But like you, I was always sort of like, well, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, but I never, you know, had... occasion to look into it until this until watching this episode and how confusing this whole thing was yeah Um, it's very interesting I feel like
0: Unsolved Mysteries you know probably didn't want to point a finger at the government so they just focused on on him saying it was Raul and And like I said I should have looked at the
1: the timeline I think this Jowers thing came out around the same time because around the 25th anniversary is I think when they ran I don't know the exact timeline I apologize but it's around when the mock trial happened so Unsolved Mysteries may not have been privy to this information either but like you said I doubt they would have implicated the FBI uh so I don't know
0: no I think they would have been comfortable if it would like pointed to like one crooked agent or something but I doubt they would want to point to to like the entire federal and not even just the FBI because the Memphis Police Department
1: is uh, alleged to be involved working with the mafia like if that is not something on some mysteries they're not going down that road Um, but it it is interesting and listen points to another evidence that the system
0: works (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I don't see why we would need to change anything. Yeah. Good segment. So Good chapter in American history. Mm-hmm. Bravo all around. Okay. We have a last love next. <laughs> Blink and you'll miss this one.
1: You know, there's a little... There's was, there was
0: more to it than I expected. All right. So, it's World War II, folks. It's actually 1943. And the outcome of the war hangs in the balance At this time, uh, Private Harry A. Young from Philadelphia is killed in action. He leaves behind a wife and two sons. However, the plot thickens. (laughs) This is a juicy one. 37 years later, his son and granddaughter track down his obituary for some reason and realize that it's wrong. It mentioned... uh, private harry young having a baby daughter and also listed the wrong address there was no mention of his two sons so did the paper make a mistake well looking into it uh they found out that harry young enlisted in the army after pearl harbor he had previously served six years in the marine corps and was now 30 with a family to support so he actually needed his wife's signature to re-enlist She adamantly refused. (laughs) And then the reenactment is like, yeah, no way. You're finally back. Like, I need some help around here. And and he's just like, it's just two years. (laughs) What? Also, this person had a young child. Like, it's just two years, baby. Who cares? Anyway, she was like, I'm not signing that. So he walked out that day and never returned. He did not know at that time that his wife was pregnant with his second child. He forged her signature and re enlisted. Only How after he was. just gonna go? Really? <laughs> I don't know. The guy is clearly a dirtbag. And it's just funny that that like comes to light for his family like so many decades later. But so he only told his wife that he had re enlisted in the army after he was already sent overseas months later. So apparently he just walked off one day and. Didn't even, like, tell her where he was or that he was okay or anything. Just stormed off of the fight and then was gone. Cool. (laughs) So now we go. we learn that in October 24, 1943, Laura Young, his wife, received news from the War Department that he had been killed in action. However, when she goes to collect her benefits, uh, the War Department has uncovered a surprise. Harry Young was survived by two wives. So she shows up at the desk and, and uh, you know, she's got her little proper hat on and her gloves and her little cute outfit. And she's like, yes, I'm Laura Young. I'm here to collect death benefits for my spouse, Harry Young. And they're like, that's weird because Laura Young already came and got benefits. And she says, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Bitch, what? So then she is put in the position of having to prove that she is his first wife and they had never gotten divorced. It turns out that after storming out on Laura, for a couple months, he went to go live with a woman named Estella, only 10 miles away. How they met and how this came to be, I have no idea. (laughs) But after Harry's death, Estella, who seems like kind of a bitch, filed for (laughs) benefits using Laura's name. Yeah, this is identity theft. Yeah, her, I first, I was like, he married another woman named Laura. Kind of <laughs> genius. <the> <laughs> like, because look, all of them I'm, are Laura Young. I would right? be bad at like, crimes. I was really
1: like, oh, wow, that's a really big coincidence.
0: I was, I thought it was smart. I actually knew a girl in high school that was dating like three guys with the same name oh, because I her mean... parents didn't approve of two of them. <laughs> Keep them guessing. So I don't remember if it was, it's just some a common name like Matt or Dave or, you know, whatever. But she could be like, "Oh, I'm going out with Dave," and they would assume that she was going. They were she was going out with the one that they liked, that right?
1: Genius.
0: See, you're not lying. Sort of. You're, yeah, but you're not lying. You're not lying. This is a loophole. I just, just lie. I, don't bother <laughs> dating three guys named Dave. Seems like a lot of work. Um, but that's what I thought happened here. He was like, "Oh, it'll really confuse the war board." If, if they're both named Laura Young, maybe no one will notice I have two wives, right? Could just be one who needs a lot of benefits. I don't know. Uh, but no, her name is actually Estella, and she's committing if identity theft. So Laura was eventually able to prove that she was in fact married to Harry and get the benefits for herself and her sons. What is uncovered all these years later is a letter from Estella to Harry's parents after Harry's death. And it was to let them know that she loved Harry very much and that he loved her and they, like, thought of themselves as husband and wife. And I kind of want to be like, bitch, you only knew this guy for a couple of months. <laughs> he had a whole wife and family he just walked out on one day.
1: And he wasn't because keeping they didn't. that from
0: her either. No! So she was fine with it. So she, so she writes this letter to Harry's parents and also to let them know that he has a baby girl. And would they maybe like to see their grandchild? Well, guess what? She doesn't get a response to this letter about her life, living in sin with their son. So she just shows up at their house like a stalker.
1: Uh-huh. Good and it's like,
0: I-, I thought you would want to meet. You know, when you didn't respond to my letter because you clearly didn't want to meet your grandchild. I thought you'd want to meet your grandchild. And this being, you know, the past, they were like, "No, I actually think it's horrible what you did." uh don't you have your own family you can go hang out with and then she was like well i have some of harry's things do you want me to bring them by and they were like no we want you to send them because they were like get out of here you hussy so they were not amused and this information had been kept from harry's sons because you know scandal so they didn't know they had a sister until finding this obit that mentioned a sister right but the night of the podcast their sister, Kathleen, was watching. And so then they're all reunited and super cute. And the fact that Harry was a dirtbag and Estella doesn't seem so great either. doesn't really matter. These people all seem nice.
1: They do seem nice. And, uh, and they get reunited war, and they're
0: very excited about it. A, a double life World War II lost love. I know. I think it's hilarious. I really want to know what... The- so, okay. He has a fight with his wife. He wants to join the army. She's like, please don't go, which is... I don't know a fucking reasonable request. No, please don't go off to die. Please stay here with me and your children. And he was like, "No, bitch, I gotta roll." <laughs> so he he storms off. Where does he go? He goes to some pool hall, meets Estella, and then it's just like, "Baby, I love you like a wife. Take me home." We, we did did he
1: have?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just assuming. I. It's just funny that he like so quickly set up this whole other life. That he probably was gonna bail on too.
1: Yeah, this is sort of the thing. Like, ladies, look, it doesn't seem like Estella seemed fine with this, but set the bar. Like, <laughs> Derbeck could just apparently just went out and had his pick and just like found another lady. I know within moments who was willing. Yeah, I think to he was marry. like,
0: I'm, I'm done with my wife. I'm just gonna forge your signature. I mean, Seconds him, later, oh he hey baby, right
1: into the table. I mean, going my was- way put it out there i don't think this guy was a huge catch
0: so no no i didn't yeah. like look at that picture of him and go i get it nope <laughs> that didn't happen so i mean it is funny samantha so pointed out so this, we got this one star review because this person was very upset that we we're saying like maybe the police are violent we've also advocated sending all men to the moon <laughs> <laughs> and I guess people don't think we're that serious about that plan because, I don't know, everybody's fine with it. Even men. I'm surprised by that. The Maybe all enjoy men the moon. Been
1: surprising. They seem to be excited about the moon colony. I don't know. But this person listening to our podcast up until this point does imply that they are not okay with defunding the police, but they are fine with shooting all men into space. <laughs> i'm guessing they don't
0: think we're that serious but well, jokes on them think, we are. where do they think the podcast goes think yeah, about it To the moon calling think about it exactly with being built very slowly <laughs> <laughs> we're getting it ready uh yeah i mean i would definitely send harry to the moon he is oh, a dirtbag but i'm glad that his children found some happiness and it's kind of sad that the grandparents didn't let them know that they had a sister. Like, I guess that they weren't thrilled with Estella. I do get that, but you should have told the them they had a. S- yeah, tell them they have a sister out there. They could have met when they were eighteen or something. Even right. if, even if the grandparents didn't want to be involved.
1: Exactly. So,
0: anyway. Anyway. Speaking of that's dirt that bags, segment. We have a speaking of dirt bags. <laughs> we have a. I think speaking a of watch. dirt bags. It is a wanted.
1: This, this slaps. You should go with
0: this. <laughs> Okay, I have to say right now, we did promise we would have Rochelle on for this segment, but the pandemic makes that kind of hard, so I'm mm-hmm. sorry Rochelle. I- also, this segment is not nearly as funny as I expected it to be.
1: Oh, it was kind of a, yeah, kind of a
0: bummer. It's sad. All right, so this is a wanted. Uh
1: surrounding crimes happening in the city of Brian, texas so the episode opens with a monologue about how Brian, texas is the type of place that people have in mind when they dream of escaping the big city this is where everyone afraid of the purge about to happen and <laughs> ago. yeah everybody that's afraid of the purge can move there but in september of 1984 the illusion of small town security was shattered for one local couple <gasps> whom unsolved mysteries calls sue and bill Sue had always considered herself strong and self-reliant. However, the events of September 6th would test her character in ways she never imagined.
0: Ah, I think she should be pretty fucking happy with herself, but go on. Uh, Sue rocks.
1: Okay. My, she says my husband was leaving for work and I went into the bathroom to finish getting dressed. As I was standing there looking in the mirror, finishing up my hair, I picked up the makeup mirror and in the reflection saw a man standing behind her with a large hunting knife. It's not terrifying nightmare fuel. Fearing for the safety of her ch- her and her child, who was in the house, Sue instinctively attacked. <laughs>
0: this reenactment is the best, and I love it. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. It's just Sue screaming, I'm gonna kill you! <laughs> she I'm gonna gun. kill you! And charge... So this man has her blocked into he's the bathroom with well, a I mean, giant knife. You know, he's probably bigger than her, at least in the reenactment he is, right? Like... This guy is standing there with a knife, kind of like, hey, hey, hey. And then she just goes at him.
1: She charges oh, him. Oh, so good.
0: And then he, he backs
1: up and she runs to the dresser and pulls out a gun and proceeds to chase him out of the house, screaming about how she was going to fucking kill him or something. She didn't use the expletive in the episode, but I'm kind of guessing in real life. It's pretty great uh she says i was very quick and i don't think he was expecting me to do that i think he probably was expecting me to plead with him not to do anything and i reversed the situation on him good for you sue yeah that's awesome so sue had seen this man up close but authorities were unable to identify him from her description she and her husband tried to put the incident behind him but then four months later she got another unfortunate look at the attacker She said, I was going through the newspaper and I opened it up and his picture was in the newspaper and I was shocked to have found out what he had done in the newspaper listed the state's most wanted criminals right at the top was the knife wielding intruder. His name was Edward Howard Bell. Edward Bell's numerous accounts of indecent had numerous accounts of indecent exposure to children. He was going around flashing kids. Gross. Sue also learned that Edward Bell was wanted for a shocking murder that took place on August 24th, 1978. That summer, 26 year old Larry Dickens was visiting his mother and sister in Pasadena, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, an ex Marine and youth counselor. Larry was also the father of a three-year-old girl. According to his mother, Dorothy Lang, Larry was cutting her lawn when Edward Bell pulled up in his pickup truck. She says, quote, I was standing in the kitchen window and there was a lot of children playing in the intersection right by our house. I saw this pickup truck driving by. He parked, got out of his truck, and then he was suddenly nude from the waist down.
0: Yeah, it's pretty disturbing.
1: Uh, As Dorothy phoned the police, Larry went out to confront the flasher. His mother watched from the kitchen window as the man pulled out a gun. And I said, please don't shoot him, and the man just shot him anyway. And then... He turned and started running out of the garage, and Larry, even with all the, even though he had been shot, was still trying to stop the man. Uh, Larry had been shot four times in the chest and once in the head with a twenty-two caliber pistol. At the at that moment, Larry's seventeen-year-old sister Donna was returning home from cheerleading practice and basically saw him collapsed on the ground, dying. It's really horrible.
0: I think she saw him get get shot in the head with that rifle. Oh, she did. I thought she pulled up as yeah. He was- like, had he as he had run out of the garage. That's horrible. At least, oh my God. at least in the reenactment, she's pulling up. He's gone back to his car. I assume he's run out of ammunition and his, like, handgun. And he pulls out a rifle and he shoots him in the head.
1: Uh, a dispatcher radioed the suspect's description as police units headed to the scene. At that very instant, the officers recognized the suspect's truck. Within 20 minutes of the murder, Bell was in the hands of police and on his way to face Larry's mother and sister um she said they opened up the back door of the police car so i could (laughs) this is also
0: a great reenactment
1: i just wanted to get she said i just wanted to get my hands on him it hurt me so bad that he killed my brother there is always going to be an emptiness and part of me is missing
0: well they open the door so she can like identify that they've caught the right man and she goes that's him and then she just launches on him like she's gonna claw his eyes out it's the reenactment but i really appreciated it it was pretty great
1: uh, so, incredibly, Edward Bell was released on bail less than two months after the murder. He, quiet, uh, he, he quietly liquidated his assets with more than $140,000 in his pocket. He disappeared.
0: Cool. Yeah.
1: So, the result is that uh, he was captured. Thanks to tips from two viewers, Bell was arrested in Panama City, Panama on February 14th, 1993. At the time, he was prospecting for gold on land that he owned. According to one of the viewers, he had lived there about so 10 weird. years. He was extradited back to the United States to face first-degree murder charges and was convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was eligible for parole in January 2013, but was denied. Um, on April in, On April 20th, 2019 he died in prison from um, d- d- unknown causes he was 82 uh, Bell is currently considered a suspect in several murders in the s- 1970s including those of Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw uh, he was given multiple he has given multiple chilling confessions from prison eventually claiming in 2011 that he was responsible for 11 murders um, he claims a brainwashing program forced him to quote be a flasher. Whatever, Uh um, uh and ultimately killed. Sounds true after his death. Many of the victims' relatives stated that they believed he was responsible for their deaths, however, no charges were ever filed against him in those cases. So,
0: Samantha, you left out the most important part, which is who plays Larry in the reenactment.
1: (laughs) This is the Matthew McConaughey episode, which I didn't even realize until I was watching this yesterday uh the i don't know is this the pinnacle of an unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast where we talk about the matthew mcconaughey
0: episode i mean the thing is i thought this would be really fun to talk about but it's actually a really sad case God, it was a sad case so the fact that this is matthew mcconaughey's start and that even in his first role he his shirt is not buttoned and he's sweaty like <laughs> just predicts his whole career but and i i think like a fine job it's not like he, he's so bad that you laugh or something. Yeah. Uh, He's fine. But Larry going out to confront this guy who's abusing children, he like takes the keys out of his truck so he can't drive away. And then when the guy threatens him with a gun to give him back the keys, Larry won't give them to him. And that's why he gets shot. So it's just sad. It's too sad to really be fun. Actually. I think we need a statue for Larry. I'm not really sure. The guy seems like a hero. Also, Don, was it Don or Donya? Don, his sister, uh, when she, after she sees him shoot Larry in the head, she tries to block him in with her car. And then tries to rip his face off later. So, <laughs> they both seem Family like great people. Yeah. Yeah. I do um, kind of wish Matthew McConaughey bad. was in like an alien
1: mystery or something. I Wouldn't know. That'd be so much
0: better. I know. Not a one where a guy is exposing himself to children and it turns know. out to be a murderer. You, you can't make jokes about this. <laughs> no. It's, Even with Matthew McConaughey in it. What a bummer. It's not what I was expecting. Like, I had just seen like some screen caps of Matthew McConaughey being like, you know, very Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, oh, that'll be so fun. We'll have Rochelle on. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then reality of the situation is it's just a really horrible case i feel terrible for this family that clearly really loved larry and that's a big loss for them and um he died trying to do something good but it just sucks it does suck
1: yeah
0: (sighs) anyway what a (sighs) dirtbag
1: the outfit though but you know you know what would
0: (laughs) prevent crimes like this Oh, and it's police. sending men to the sending men to the moon. Oh, no. okay.
1: Sending them to the moon. If
0: men are on the moon, they can't expose themselves to children and then shoot Matthew McConaughey. Okay, okay? we we maybe have
1: to talk about Matthew McConaughey's facial expression in the
0: in the garage though. <laughs> it's very Matthew McConaughey. y it, it definitely. It's is. It's like and pure his... <laughs> Matthew McConaughey essence.
1: The screen grabs from this really lead you to believe that it would.
0: You i thought it was gonna be fun i favorite, thought it was gonna be a but... good time and instead it's just a horrible bother this mother watches her son die the the sister happens to come right at like the moment she's like holding his hand as he slips away like oh yeah awful
1: yeah um it is. yeah but is, that guy d- is that
0: guy is yes or do we have to go kill him ourselves okay no, that's good. he died
1: in prison at what 83 i mean he got to prospect
0: for gold for 10 years which doesn't seem fair but no anyway well that's that then okay time to rate this very oh. strange mix of mysteries even though it's only three
1: yeah uh mysteriousness I mean, I There's guess a mystery with this
0: conspiracy.
1: The conspiracy around Dr. King's assassination is mysterious. I, I, but that's think it. That. But I, I don't know. And what And the, the rest
0: segment of. itself is very boring, and also doesn't cover like the real heart of what probably happened. And so I'm gonna say thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thumbs down. Uh, I mean, do we have to give it a thumbs up for
1: reenactments just because it's the Matthew McConaughey episode?
0: Actually, I think some of these reenactments are great. I love that women screaming, I'm going to kill you, oh, and chasing right. that guy out of the house. I love Dawn about to claw that guy's face off. That's right. And That's right. That's right. we get some like retro y reenactments because of the World War II story. Um, you get to see this guy storm off because I don't know, his wife cares if he lives or dies. <laughs> uh, what a tool. Uh yeah, I would say thumbs up, and yeah, plus Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up. I think I might give it a thumbs up for
1: fashion too, maybe just because of Matthew McConaughey's outfit.
0: <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, look—he's allergic to shirt buttons. The shirt is on, but it's almost more like a cape. It is barely on. It's also it's, like tattered. It's like he's very sweaty. A shirt. Of course, I just think of him as a sweaty. Almost oily man. <laughs> um I don't. I really. Some people clearly find that attractive. I really don't. I feel like he would probably not smell good. Yeah. No. I don't like, want. I'd be like, you hug him. He might be, like, pretty... be kind of like sticky. Forgive me, damn this word, but he's
1: moist
0: all over. He seems not... no. He seems very moist. He's I don't, moist. don't have a problem with that word. You he's can not... use it. Okay. He's. It's, it's, he mean, seems listeners. Uh, yeah oh right other people this isn't just us
1: talking <laughs> yeah
0: we might get a uh, one-star
1: review for using the word moist they use the word a moist, moist person
0: what when damp was available <laughs> um he no i i look hey so your oats but he's not my type and it's because he seems damp <laughs> sticky it's possibly sticky i don't know why is he always so glist- glistening mm, hmm. no
1: yeah and it's not the glow that makeup influencers are looking for it's uh no it's not a glow it's,
0: it's like a slick yeah uh i'd also just like is is matthew mcconaughey gonna stay in with you to like read a book no <laughs> no Probably. No, so not sexy. Thumbs like Matthew McConaughey's sexiness, that gets a thumbs down from me. Uh, reenactments, was, though, get a thumb up. Reenactments, thumbs up. Robert Stack is not really in this episode. He's right really now. not in this. I think he was a little bit excited to mention Wars, because he's the old man, but other than that, uh, thumbs That's down. About it.
1: Um, Overall, I mean, it is the Matthew McConaughey episode. I found the presentation of the conspiracy... Very confusing boring. and very convoluted and extremely long. Your last love was okay, but it was really quick.
0: Um, they also didn't talk about like the impact of his assassination at all or like why it matters or how unpopular he was at the time. Coming up on the 25th or...
1: anniversary and they didn't talk about any of that. They, really they didn't talk about the riots
0: afterwards it. and how that led to the Civil Rights Act and I don't know. They just sort of like plopped it in. I, nah, I don't really like this episode. I'm going to say two. I agree. And really, one of those stars is literally for Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he got a whole star. I Actually, and, and the fact that we find out this guy had, like, a secret life, which is a little, yeah, is kind of juicy. <coughs> I hope we get some other, like, second family stories. I feel like that's a thing you just could not pull off now. No. Definitely. That you're like, oh, this guy had, like, a whole other family. Because you would just, like, be on social media and be like, dad? Who are those, what? Who are these kids with? You're at, with at the park. Who's What's that, happening? Who's that baby? But yeah, apparently apparently, people were like, mm, I don't like this family. I bet two having two families will solve that problem. The demands of two families. That's what I need.
1: Who has the time? I guess yeah, men, because sounds... they don't have to do housework. But
0: <laughs> Particularly, yeah, men of the past. And men now. But you know what's going to stop this? Sending, Sending them colony. to the moon. <laughs>
1: yeah. See, it's going to solve so
0: many of our problems. Mm-hmm.
1: Um... Yeah, that's yeah, so it. I think, that's that, so How that's do you feel crap. about it too
0: for this one? I I feel good about it. Okay. Moving on. So another sorta of update, even in, in the hit <laughs> this podcast has been very pro statuary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a type of statue that we're not in favor of, and that's uh racist old douchebags that for some reason got statues. Statues should be an honor, right? We shouldn't be giving them. jagoffs whoa okay so also in the since the time we've recorded there was i didn't even realize the statue of christopher columbus by the state capitol and i I was like somehow written in the state law that had to be there or something i don't know the american indian movement for years had been trying to get that statue down saying we do not want this genocidal loser up at the state capitol it's insulting and they were like, "Oh, our hands are tied. What can we do?" Well, that got pulled down. He discovered the concrete. And he's gone.
1: <laughs> this is the state capital in Minnesota. There's a very, oh, yeah. yeah, a picture that has been on multiple national news articles of the Columbus's face and his nose just on the
0: concrete
1: <laughs> he discovered the concrete yeah
0: i mean he didn't discover land because people are already here and that's not how that works so but that might be the first thing discovered he discovered the ground <laughs> might be the first thing he ever discovered uh so i was sort of wondering what could we replace that statue with now exactly. obviously the right answer is the American Indian Movement should be able to pick whoever they want for having to look at that stupid Christopher Columbus statue for so long. Oh, great. Obviously, I would support that, but that's not really that fun to talk about. So now <laughs> we get to speculate what should <laughs> Minnesota put up in place of Christopher Columbus. Some suggestions. Columbus becomes Columbo. <laughs> You have to change very few letters. Get a statue of Peter Falk up there. Right? Everybody loves Columbo. Yeah. Um, I know a I
1: particular had, moth that could use yeah, a, to a moth I, I think we know the, the best
0: statue, and that's a statue of Mothman and With his a rock and booty in Point Pleasant. A very not realistic statue of Mothman, because Mothman is real and doesn't look like that uh but think of the tourism that statue has brought to point pleasant like i don't think the impact of art should be underestimated i do think we should have a statue just not christopher columbus because everyone hates him i had previously on a i think on a patreon episode said that i wanted minnesota to put up a statue of james hong
1: who's a very
0: prominent actor he is from Minneapolis, and he's been in everything. He was in Blade Runner. He was in Chinatown. He's in Big Trouble in China. He is in that uh, famous Seinfeld episode where they go to the Chinese restaurant. He's the Major D. For ages, Hollywood, for whatever reason, was like, "We can only have one Asian actor. We will only allow one." And it was that guy, it was James Hong. You've seen him a ton of times. I feel like we should give a statue to him. I don't know who I talked to about that, but that would be great. <laughs> Obviously, many people have said Prince and look, it is inevitable that there's going to be a statue of Prince.
1: It, I don't Honestly, think... the question is how many yes, Prince statues is Minnesota exactly. going to get. We we can we could we can fit a few more statues in. There's going to be
0: one. Yeah, there's going to be at least one. I would say five. Like there's going to be more than one probably for different eras or whatever. Like you cannot underestimate how much Minnesotans love Prince. You really really can't um yeah i don't know any, any other the thoughts pod
1: arden posted a statue okay i have a few a few oh, okay i, I okay. really think we should seriously consider friend of the pod arden posted in our, our facebook group a picture of a capybara statue that has a little top hat and is wearing pearls
0: Come you on. know i love an animal in a top hat or a cartoon character in a top hat don't know why just love it <laughs> So I'm definitely in favor of a capybara wearing a little hat as a statue. Does that have anything to do with Minnesota at all? <laughs> nope, and I don't care. I would go see that.
1: I saw a thread on Twitter where so- someone posted something that was like, "What can we replace all these statues with?" Or like, oh, I know what it was. Someone had tweeted, "Name a good statue." Like,
0: sure, in- and it's a Mothman statue, but, you know, well, David's on I guess. That
1: this person put forward was any statue of a dog that has been pet so many times that like the patina is wearing (laughs) off on like the nose or the head or whatever part of the dog is accessible sometimes it's the feet if they're up really high then like the feet rub off because people are petting it adorable but in the responses to that there was a few pictures accompanying the tweet and then in the responses people were posting dog statues from like their hometown that was Aww. universally like this is true for dog statues that they get pet so much that they're like yeah the outside part is rubbing off but someone had posted i don't even know where this was but i remember seeing the photo of this cat that's like lounging on a bench like a human it has this big old belly and it's just like it's got warm <laughs> up and there was a side by side of that cat and they put a statue up of that cat in that pose in that spot freaking adorable i think we should put that cat in that pose in front of the the state capitol let's do it
0: i think we should get a statue of that raccoon that climbed the npr building (gasps) a couple years ago i don't know if other people are well aware of this but a couple years ago when you know things in the world looked not bright but were actually quite a bit brighter than they are now we were all very excited to follow this raccoon that was climbing a building and i was watching this live feed of it at like three in the morning because i needed to know if the raccoon was gonna be okay and it was supposedly or they switched it out with another raccoon and then they you know took it to safety somewhere but i feel like that raccoon should be immortalized for everyone
1: because that was such a a
0: moment of hope yes yeah yes these are some uh, yeah, solid literally, dimensions. literally any dog. Um, maybe a, a statue of Emilio Estevez filming the Mighty Ducks because people get Brilliant. very excited that the Mighty Ducks was filmed here. Oh, so totally maybe that that could pull in a little hockey tourism, perhaps. Mm, solid. Maybe you can make the statue so that you can like pose around it and act like you're the Mighty Ducks and he's coaching you.
1: How do okay is statue consultant like a job that you can have where you like help cities? I mean, there's look, there's a lot of empty podiums out there right now. There's about to be more, I'm sure. We cities and states around the country could use a statue consultant.
0: Liz is available. I'm just maybe not. I
1: don't know, but I'm going to speak for you. No, I'm I'm very
0: available to help you come up with what your town should put up as a statue. I think you have a gift for this. To be honest. Amelia us coaching. <laughs> I mean, yes, like, should it be a person of color? Should it be a woman? I hear you. But can we have that as well as <laughs> Amelia us coaching the money dogs?
1: As well as a cubby bear wearing a top hat.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I, there's plenty of room. We could replace one Christopher Columbus with
0: several statues. We also have a, a lot of parks. You know, there's a lot of, of green public space here, which is very nice. And... Put a prince Perfect. in every
1: park and also
0: uh, <laughs> a, a, a cat sword. just hanging out. Why not? I seriously went to the city of Liverpool just because I wanted to see a statue of singer Billy Fury that's on the dock. I like made a special trip just to do Who that. Doesn't. Don't think people aren't nutty enough <laughs> to no one is. like No that. one is
1: traveling they here will. to see Christopher Columbus, but
0: no, people are going to travel no. here
1: to see another mothman statue. I guarantee it.
0: We could have our own Mothman festival. Oh, also update: you're probably not surprised. Mothman festival canceled uh, this year. So look, there's a and I lot were- of
1: disappointing things about 2020. This is like very low on the list, but it's sad that the Mothman festival. We were, we were really going to have this whole that.
0: road trip and go to King's Spa. Look, we had a lot of plans, and the Mothman is a fickle, fickle beast. Yeah, you know, he tried to. I'm sure he tried to warn us about it somehow. We didn't listen no as usual okay samantha do you have any (laughs) recommendations
1: okay i have two uh silly recommendations although they are they are serious i tried the waterloo heart the waterloo seltzer Uh uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh the blueberry variety which i want so we can't for i can't for the life of me get a hold of polar water anymore um feel bad I for us folks really miss that blueberry lemonade seltzer oh yeah that was good that, that was real good it's the best but can i find it anywhere no but i i went to target for the first time in months and i saw that they had all of these flavors of waterloo seltzer which i think the grape one is the one i tried at your house that tasted like a jolly rancher that you didn't oh like, yeah that, I did. that was bad so i saw that they had blueberry and i tried it and it is delicious I honestly, I, I'm not going to say it rivals the Polar one because it doesn't, but it's different than the Polar one because there's no lemon in it. And I sometimes think the Polar one, the lemon can overpower the blueberry. This is just blueberry and it's really freaking good. So if you can get your hands on it and you can't get your hands on Polar, I highly recommend the Waterloo Seltzer.
0: I definitely bought that grape one because it was on sale, and in retrospect, should have been more suspicious that only that <laughs> flavor <laughs> was on sale. <laughs> I but liked it though. Sometimes you just see seltzer at a discount, and you it know, really did taste like happen. grape
1: candy, which is not a candy I gravitate towards. But in the seltzer that you just gave to me, I liked it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like for free, whatever.
1: And that, I so I've been enjoying that. I've also been enjoying. Uh, Dark chocolate Oreos,
0: which, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I'm a
1: sucker for novelty Oreo. If I see a novelty same. Oreo in store, I oh, will buy bitch, it. Same, it could be any, literally any flavor. They apparently, they so a, see me coming with those, hundred percent. Apparently, there is a tiramisu Oreo that I have yet to get my hands on. I'm and sorry, what? Very yes, yes.
0: God damn, what an age to be alive.
1: And I'm not going to a lot of stores, so I haven't had an occasion to see this Oreo. Well, but that's apparently, a problem it's Yeah.
0: Apparently it's mm, out there. Okay. I need to try and find it.
1: Okay. Um. So those are my silly. But I I also wanted to call people's attention to an organization, which I realize a lot of people are donating money, and you're probably stretched then for organizations to support. But I came across on Instagram a group uh, called Saddle Up and Read, which is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to encourage youth achievement, uh, through lit- in literary excellence through equine activities. And first of all, you should follow them, because their Instagram is adorable. It's just a bunch of kids reading to ponies uh, and horses. And it is the cutest. Um, I found them through, uh, I think, the Black Equestrian Network. I'm trying to diversify my... I'm not really in the horse world anymore, but the horse world is very white. And... Um, there's a lot of people that have been for years, but especially now are pushing for more diversity in equine sports. And so I've been seeking out organizations to support. And I found this Saddle Up and Read organization. And they are currently trying to buy, they're not trying to fundraise a ton. They just want to be able to buy uh, a truck so that they can take their, they, they serve a lot of underserved communities and they. These people can't always get to them. They have a little farm where you can can come and read books to horses um, and do other programs with their animals. But it's not accessible to people that don't have transportation, especially now during COVID. Like, you can't just go pick people up. So they're trying to get – they're calling their campaign – uh, Wheel, I, I'm not sure how they pronounce this it's Saddle Up and Read so I don't know if they call it Suar but Wheels for Saddle Up and Read is their little campaign they have a GoFundMe you can find them on Instagram um, where they have a link to their GoFundMe um it's saddle up and read all one word and they're not trying to raise that much money they just want to be able to buy a truck and maybe a trailer so that they can bring their animals to kids um and better serve the community That's so cute uh so maybe if you can throw them a few dollars uh when you're looking for another or- a worthy organization to support um maybe consider them because they they don't have that many followers on Instagram they're sort of a small operation like I think when you can call attention to some of these uh you know they're just out there trying to to get kids reading with ponies and I think it's like this if I could do that all day long I look that sounds like my dream (laughs) just kids reading to ponies amazing so I think they're doing really good work and if you're looking for a group to support I wanted to call um some attention to them
0: That reminds me of something that I should have brought up in the updates, which is that, listeners, mark your calendars. For July 13th, Samantha and I are going to be selling some handmade items. Yeah, oh, this is a big
1: announcement. Yeah.
0: Specifically cloth masks and dog bandanas. Yes. Uh, We're going to be selling those through Instagram, and that sale is going to be July 13th. More details Mm -hmm. to come. So we are raising money for the Easts lake library here in minneapolis that was damaged during the rebellion uh it was mostly water damage from putting out fires but they need money to you know fix the building and fix books and uh, who knows so we want to support them we're going to be selling things that we have made some with some alien fabric
1: you're going to want to uh, so, get your yeah somebody. i think you're
0: going to want to check it out and Samantha's gonna be making some masks too. And yeah. I almost completely forgot about that. So we'll talk about that maybe more on the next show.
1: Yeah, we should maybe talk about that at the front of the episode. I'm not sure how many people make it <laughs> to like the very I end know. where we dissolve into talking I about the uh we are gonna be doing that little fundraiser starting in July. We need a little bit of time to to for production. Well, we gotta, we gotta uh, make some stuff. <laughs> to sew some of this stuff.
0: What? Everyone everyone knows we love the library. So yeah, uh, we're gonna raise we money do the our library. We wanna do our part to help. And change is messy sometimes, but it's all part of the process. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna help them get back on their feet. Um but, oh, I should also say that if you still wanna send something in for the zine, uh you can. So that's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Um I'll probably at some point put like a due date for that to end uh submissions but that hasn't happened yet so if you had something that you want to submit some fan art or a word search or i don't know whatever what however this podcast has inspired you to create something some
1: fan art of matthew mcconaughey yeah where's that i'm gonna put that out into the universe i have i have no talent when it comes to where is a like
0: where is like a an aerial view plan of the capybara ranch that we're going to make.
1: You know what? So like could a map, do
0: like a teenage like a,
1: girl collage of just Matthew McConaughey in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: with map. with hearts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with his Better include chest Better out. include some oh, yeah. <laughs> with some heart hard eyes. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's a possibility. Um Just some ideas. Just some ideas. You maybe want to draw a picture of the pod dogs. I don't know. There's there's lots of ways to, to be inspired. Um, but I think that's pretty much it. I think so. I think we can finally wrap it up.
1: You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Yeah, Twitter. social media. Don't send us angry DMs or we're going to bitch about it for an entire podcast like we did today. Yeah, um, yeah. just be
0: warned that we don't yeah. care if you stop listening and we definitely will bitch about it. And we will probably make merch and make money off of you. So think about that before you mouth off about drug use (laughs) and MapQuest. Think about that before you out yourself is quite strange. Um, (laughs) We have a website. Did you know? Perhaps it's you.com. There's a form there you can fill out. You can also find all of our recommendations. There's a recommendations tab. Uh, And yes. Okay. Only five star reviews. I I could not be more clear. I couldn't. Follow the instructions. We simple. are not into the purge yet. We have a year to decide how the purge is going to work. I need someone you... to review us with five stars that calls us dangerous. That's just way yeah. more
1: sexy. Yeah. Can
0: someone do that? If you haven't reviewed us yet, do do me a solid Can you do five stars dangerous? Really looking forward to the purge. Uh, these people know so much about Robert Stack. It's not even funny. Plus, they're hilarious and very good looking, and they're probably great cooks. You know, something like that. <laughs> It's all, true. It's all true. Yeah, it's all true. Um, is that it? I, I, there's probably something else we're supposed to say. Send uh, us spooky stories, or oh, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Do that. whatever you want. Whatever. Just, d- just don't be a dick. <laughs> all right, keep barking, everybody. Bye. Bye.